Turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 1. And we'll be looking mostly at verses 4 to 6 and some other passages having to do with this great, great theme of the Word became flesh. Thanks to John for finishing the story I started last week because I searched in my library and I could not find that piece. So he said he's going to give it to me so I have it for next year yeah. or some other time. I heard about a scientist who was trying to belittle a Christian. And he said, when I think of Christianity, I can sum it up with these little phrases, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And the Christian said, you know, when I think of science, I can sum it up with this little phrase, twinkle, twinkle, little star, I wonder where you are. It is absolutely impossible for any of us to grasp the, the depth of what is meant by the word became flesh. For 2,000 years, this passage has been preached on, dissected, criticized, exposited upon, and no one has been able to exhaust it. This is why in 2017, we are preaching on it, and it still has the depth with which it was given. In our study this morning, John is describing something of the activity of the Word and where it came and how it came. In John chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I want, I want you to use your sanctified mind this morning and consider to me the meaning of this word light. Light. We'll see in a moment what it is to the scientist, what it is to the, the philosopher, and what it is to the Christian. But we want to look at life's source, light source. In him was life, and the life was the light. The light that we're talking about is, is not energy as we see it this way. The light we're talking about is the appearance of a life. It is the appearance of a moral perfection not seen by any human eye since the fall of man in the garden. Light is said to exist out of the life that is found in the Word. In the Word was life and the life was the light. That life of Christ is this. It is the absolute self-existing being as true of God. 
the life that brings the light is the self-existing being as is true of God. When Moses asked God, show me your glory, God said, no one can see my glory and live. But when Jesus came, listen to John, we saw his glory. All of a sudden, the glory comes into human view. But it came as morally perfect. The word became flesh. In Matthew 3.17, when Jesus was baptized, as he was coming out of the water, the heavens parted, and a voice was heard from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, please listen now, in whom I am well pleased. In. That in that human body, in that babe in Bethlehem, God saw himself. In him. The life of Christ is the life of God. And even though Christ is distinct from the Father, the essence is one. So it is talking about the moral excellence of God now comes into view, into the view of human beings veiled in human flesh. He exists and he expressed the quality of life that is pleasing to God in a morally perfect sense. None had that, not Moses, not Elijah. Those are the two who appeared with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. But they didn't have his life. In him, in the word, existed life. Not simply existence, but life in the sense of life that is real. Life in the sense that, that, that gives to others without being reduced because of giving. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It didn't reduce his life because his life is eternal. His life exists as the life of God. He's talking, my friends, about the moral character of Jesus, the word when he spoke, his contemporaries said of him, nobody ever spoke like Jesus before. No one. When he did things, they said of him, no one can do the things that a man, a mere man could do. He's doing things that are, that are beyond human beings. And then Nicodemus answered his own question, except God is with him. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. That's the source of the light. I'll expand on that some more in a few minutes. Look at the significance of the light then. Look at the capacity of the light. John was not the light. John could only speak to a few people in his day. But Jesus, the life of God, 
lights every human being. And, and may I just, just correct us? I said us because it's true of all of us. Jesus did not simply become man. Jesus became a human being. See, because when we think of man, we think of an individual. But Jesus became a human being. The word men is anthropos, and it deals with human beings, men and women. So it's not simply that he became a man. He became a human being. This is the mystery of Christmas that ought to grip our hearts again and again and again. This life came into a world where it was going to light every man, which speaks, my friends, if every man needs light, Paul is right when he says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If he's going to light every man, it means that every man needs the light. Whoever that man might be, whoever that woman might be, the significance of this light, please listen, if this light did not come, if the word did not become flesh, we would forever exist and abide in darkness. If he did not come, because he's going to light every man. Psalm 36 verse 9 says, for with thee is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. <laughs> when Christ came, we saw what life was like supposed to be. We see what we are supposed to be. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 4. But if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing, who are in darkness, whose minds the God of this age has blinded in darkness, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Every word pregnant with meaning. If our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing, in whom the God of this world has blinded, kept in darkness. Those who are perishing, they do not believe. Believe what? That the light of the glory of God has come. I'll expand on that in a few minutes. But the text goes on to say, for it is God who, like he did in creation, said, let there be light. That is scientific light, if you please. Has shone out of darkness, who has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ, of, of God in the face of Christ. God in the manger is the God that existed from all eternity with God the Father. And he has come to give light 
to darkness. So please listen quickly as I, I'm rushing ahead because I want to get to the mission of the light. When the word became flesh, we saw the moral perfection of God. Listen. To the scientist, light is energy. To the philosopher, life, light is wisdom. But to the believer, light is purity and perfection. To the scientist, he sees light as energy, but so is Christ. Christ spoke and the world came into existence. To the philosopher, light is wisdom, knowledge. But Jesus is the wisdom of God. But to the believer, Christ is the glory of God, purity and perfection. When he became flesh. So where did he become flesh? John, who was the announcer of Jesus into the world, said he came into a world that was dark. Darkness. That's what light is needed for. Moral, spiritual absence. That's what darkness represents. Moral, spiritual absence. Let's consider the general description of darkness. It is not physical. It is moral. The darkness is talking about a moral condition that has turned good into evil and evil into good. Consider with me first where this darkness comes from. Ephesians chapter 6, 11, and 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. The source of moral and spiritual darkness, my friends, has its source in the devil and those who are his emissaries who come into earth and work in the minds of people. Paul says, if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing in whom the God of this world is constantly blinding the minds of people. You know, we are a sophisticated age, aren't we? We are educated. You know, since 1970, I think it is, more than three quarters of every person had a degree that they, 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 they had in their lives. We're an educated society. But I'm afraid that what Malcolm Muggridge says is absolutely right. We have become so educated that we have educated ourselves into imbecility. Because we now tell ourselves, we now tell ourselves that we are so intelligent that we do not see the necessity 
First of all, for the, the, the talking about a devil, one philosopher said, if I can shave with an electric razor, I don't need to believe in a virgin birth. He was saying, we don't need miracles to live anymore. Why do I need that? Ah, oh, my friends, listen. Jesus Christ did not come to make good people live. He came to make dead people live. That's the condition of the world, darkness. We live in North America. We might not want to say it, but it is true. Jesus said in 1 John 5, 19, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world. Washington, Salem, Toronto, Ottawa, London, Moscow, the whole world. You cannot find a place in the world where darkness does not exist. We'll see it in a minute. So it's a source of darkness. It has its source in a fallen angelic power that is in the power of the air working right now. There's intellectual darkness. Intellectual darkness. John 12, 35 reads, He who walks, that is one's conduct, he who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. You're walking in the dark, then you can't tell. <laughs> you only have to think of getting up in the middle of the night and going to the refrigerator for, for something and you end up on top of a chair. You, you don't see where you're going. I, I can tell you, I was in Tennessee several, several years ago and one night I experienced darkness like I have never experienced since. This young chap woke up in the middle of the night and screaming his head off, saying, I'm hearing voices telling me my mom is going to die. My mom is going to die. And I, I took him outside the camp. And I tell you, a darkness that I sense, my friends, was frightening, frightening. I'm thankful that I knew where to go for light. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says that darkness calls good evil and darkness calls evil good. You know, every day, Every day we get news of somebody resigning from some position because of what they're doing, and I'm not going to get into that. But my friends, we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, you know, I said to someone, you hear of some of the people talking about some of the things that are happening, and they're going to say, this is not appreciated, or this is not accepted. They never say, this is wrong. You don't hear that. They qualify the behavior, but they don't condemn it. 
You'll hear in a few minutes what Jesus has to say about darkness. Listen, listen to this, friends. When we think of intellectual darkness, the scripture says that our minds have been affected by the fall. And the more we evict God out of the, 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 the creation, we replace him with fallen minds. And I, I won't even tell you what some of those fallen minds do. I'll describe a few in a, mi- in a few minutes. But I wouldn't dare, I wouldn't dare to bring to you some of the behavior of moral darkness in our world. Intellectual darkness means that the mind is trying to produce what it cannot. Moral darkness, moral depravity is called darkness. Number three, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry, drunkenness, not in licentiousness, not in lewdness, not in strife, not in envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ who is the light. Moral darkness is human behavior. And again, Malcolm Muggridge, I love what he says. We deny the depravity of man, but the very behavior of man proves it. <laughs> proves it. But I want to get to individual darkness because it's talking about you, it's talking about me. One, uh, in, in, in 1 John 2, 11, we, we, we are called that darkness is expressed. Those who hate one another, they are in darkness until now. Hate is not due to a lack of education. Hate is not due to the place we were born in or, or, or from. Hate is due to the fact that the human heart is in darkness. And my, you know, my, my son, our son, gets opportunities in Seattle to be with some big shots because of the, the nature of his work. And, and the last Martin Luther King breakfast, he was the vice chairman of it in Seattle. In fact, he called me one day and he said, Dad, I'm having breakfast with the vice president of Wells Fargo. I, I said, be careful. I hear some things about Wells Fargo that I hope that my $10 is still in the saving accounts. <laughs> and that's what he's doing. But when I talk with him, I, I tell him this, Christopher, remember that the first murder in the world was not between two enemies, but between two brothers from the same womb, Cain and Abel. It was not a black against white. It was not a red against yellow. It was the darkness of the heart. And the, the heart, without the light, my friends, can display things that you wouldn't believe. Please listen. In this past week in Toronto, as I'm speaking, a woman was charged with attempted murder 
of a man and a four-month-old baby. Four months. Who can forget Susan Smith? You remember her? Who, because of some expected love affair with another man, put her two babies in a car seat and released the brake of the car so the car would go into a lake and those, those babies who trusted their mother's hands, not realizing that she was getting ready to destroy them, and when the car was missing, she went back into town and told them how this person kidnapped her baby and she wanted her baby because this person had kidnapped them. All the time, she was the one who murdered her two babies. Darkness, friends. Darkness. In the 70s in Toronto, two young ladies in a place called St. Catharines, Ontario, we know it quite well, been there several times on our way to Niagara Falls, got to pass through St. Catharines. This one individual by the name of Paul Bernardo, we remember the story, we followed it, kidnapped two teenagers, raped them, while the sister of one of the girls that were raped was taking videos so they could watch it afterwards. Darkness. Darkness. My friends, the problem of the heart, or the heart of the problem is a better way of putting it, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. That's where the light came. That's the kind of world the light came into. It came into a dark world, a world that was confused, a world that was hating, a world that was murdering, a world that was raping. That's where the light came. Can you imagine, my friends, I was saying, to some friends not too long ago. Can you imagine what this time of the year would be if there were no Christmas carols? Really? It would be like Monday morning. Christmas seems to do something to the very earth itself. When those carols begin and you go to different places and you hear it, and you hear it. Let me quickly look at the defiance of the, of the sight. He came into the world, a world of darkness, and the light shines, says John chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines, illuminate. The Word became flesh, and the moment that the Word became flesh, the light started, it became visible in the very site where moral depravity existed. Matthew 4, 16. The people who sat, and that word sat is a very interesting word in the, in the original, my friends. The people who sat, it means to reside, to settle down. Who sat in darkness have seen a great light. That was their lifestyle. That was their environment. 
And when the, when the word became flesh, it became flesh in darkness. In darkness. And the people who sat in darkness saw a great light. Jesus proclaimed in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. I am come. That is John 12, 46. I am come as light. The darkness tried to overcome or eclipse the light, but nothing or no one could stop the light from shining. The light shines in the darkness. All the, all the iniquities of humankind could not extinguish the light, which is the life of Christ in the world. He walked among them without being contaminated by them. None could touch him. Consider what we find in John 1. He came to his own and his own rejected him. He came to his own. That's the defiance of the light. You know why? Because in John 3.19 it says this. And this is a, con Jesus is speaking. I'm repeating. And this is a condemnation that light has come into the, into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. That's the defiance. We love darkness rather than the light. I think that the most expressed Love for darkness intellectually and spiritually can be found in Matthew in John 19:15. Just listen. Now it was the preparation day for the Passover, and about the sixth hour, <clears throat> excuse me, he said to the Jews, Pilate said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, crucify him. Pilate said, said to them, Shall I crucify your king? Listen to it now. The chief priests and elders said, We have no king but Caesar. My friends, that's a statement of self, that's, that's a statement of spiritual suicide. For, for the Jews to say, We have no king but Caesar, the very one who was trying to destroy them, they would rather have him over them than to have the light of life. It still happens today. It still happens today. Before I close. Recently a book was written called The Myth of the Incarnation of God. The Myth. It should be regarded as, as heretic. There are... There are Views manner that differs significantly from Christian Orthodox and a dialogue with them ought to be fruit, fruitful for us. Now here, here are the views of Christ today. The presentation of Jesus Christ as God incarnate 
is only one of the many ways in which Jesus is portrayed in the New Testament and is not central to the New Testament thought at all. It's only one of the views. <laughs> and some of this come from church people, by the way. Two, the particular presentation is to be regarded as a myth. That is to say, it is not to be taken literally, but as many, but as a way of understanding the great significance that early Christians had to, to tread on. By the way, I'm rushing this because that's where the emergent church came from. The man who started the emergent church said that the gospel is only one of the many things that came out of the Middle East. Three, the development of this particular myth can be accounted for in terms of the ordinary human evolution of ideas within the world, which made, us, which made up of mythological categories of thinking. Four, the myth of the incarnation is not a valid myth for us today, and we are to drop it as an inappropriate way of speaking about the significance of Jesus. Five, we ought to find some other way of expressing significance of Jesus which will speak meaningfully to the modern world. You know what John says? Whoever denies that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, no matter where it comes from. Listen, listen, friends. How, how different it was for Charles Wesley. Brilliant Anglican Oxford, Oxford uh, students when he saw the light. Listen to how verse 5 of that great hymn goes. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eyes refuse a quickening ray. I awoke the dungeon floods with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. The light came in the darkness, friends. Not a friendly world. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Listen to what he said of them. To those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, who receive him, Jesus said, now you are the light of the world. Go out and let your light so shine before men that they might see my glory in you. And just as I came into Mary and was born into her, I have come into you to live through you. Jesus came into a world of darkness to light every man, every boy, every girl that would believe in him. Let's pray. Father, oh, how thankful we are for the light which we have received through the life of Christ that he came into the world to give us life and light. That's what we are. And I pray, Father, if there should be one soul in this place this morning 
who has been loving the darkness, that this word will cause them to see the light this morning. And that the light of the gospel of Christ will so shine so that the glory of God will be seen because the word came into a dark world to give light.